you know, I watched the Coming to America trailer, the the new one, the sequel, Coming to America, as I believe it's titled, styled, very inspired. And Eddie's back, Arsenio's back. I'm sure it's all going to be fine and cool. But do you think we can give James Earl Jones a rest? You think we've gotten enough mileage out of that guy's voice for one lifetime? He is 147 years old. You think you deserve a nap after that amount of work? Yes, he has an iconic voice. I did say iconic, all right? And, and, I, and I do mean it. Everybody throws that word around now. Like, oh, he made it across the street to the gas station. He's iconic. Oh, he handed out a sandwich to a homeless person. Put him next to Michael Jackson, Jesus, and Cher. James Earl Jones is on that level. He is a legend in the film business. Darth Vader, boom. Mufasa, boom, all slam dunks. But voices, okay, a voice like that loses its potency after a certain age. You do not have the timber and the power in your voice like you did at 35, 40 years old, even going into your 50s. I'll be fair. It doesn't matter if you have a voice like Optimus Prime and you're, you're the Optimus Prime voice actor and you're going into every audition sounding like a powered-up truck. It's you, Eventually, okay, it's a, it's a depreciating asset. That's what a voice is. A voice has the same life as a car, okay? Or a jug of milk. It just it depreciates in value over time. And that's, that's James Earl Jones, and it's natural. Everybody goes through it. I'm doing this for him, by the way. I'm not doing it to disrespect him. I care about James. Stop taking, stop taking advantage of James Earl. That's my message here. That's my thesis printed. I don't give a shit. This is what James Earl Jones' voice sounds like now, okay? This is what, he sounds like a guy who's holding a sign, like a really heavy object, a 70-pound sign, all right? And he's been holding it on shift for hours and hours because he's really good. People love him and associate him with holding the sign. But he's giving out. He's getting weaker, okay? His muscles are giving in. He's about to buckle. You know those guys with the signs on the side of the road. It says 50% off for some bullshit furniture store, and they put them right next to the intersection so people that are driving home stop and see them and go, oh, hey, yeah, I really need a recliner that snaps back and crushes me because it was made by some disgruntled employee in Vietnam. Hey, buddy, where's the furniture store? Give me some directions. Point it out. Those guys. I'm talking about them. And he's holding this sign, okay? He's a legendary Highly qualified veteran sign holder. And he's getting really tired. And his manager comes out and he says, hey, yeah, can I stop holding this sign? I'm, I, I think I'm done. And he goes, yeah, you know, I mean, we would, but, and, and we know that you've been holding the sign for the last six decades, but we really like the way you do it and so does everybody else driving by. And uh, we kind of want to keep you on for like the next five years or so, and then we'll let you retire. How's that? That's what James Earl Jones sounds like. <laughs> He's the vocal representation of a disgruntled sign holder. I don't really know where that comparison was going. Maybe a shit analogy, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep it in. All right. No, voices, they, they, they lose power over time. That's, you know, even my grandfather is another perfect example. He was a, more of a, he was a hardworking mechanic. He wasn't a voice actor, but he did great voices. He did Donald Duck. 
He had a marvelous impression of a German man. He used to speak German gibberish. And we loved it. We were thoroughly entertained as young children listening to him do those impressions, and he was great at mimicry. But as he got older, we wouldn't pester him as much to do them because he was just tired and frustrated, right? That's what happens when you get older. We weren't like, hey, Granddad, do Donald Duck at 75. We just let him sit in his chair, watch Columbo, and spill Boston cream donut on his beater. You don't have the napkin tucked in your shirt for nothing. Well, uh, apparently you do, Granddad. Uh, you have chocolate pudding on your shorts. But he rocked it, okay? And he fucking earned it, too. Grew up in the Depression. Great man, my grandfather. We can learn from him. <sighs> but James Earl, man. Like, <laughs> I just can't let go. James Earl Jones go. Maybe, maybe I'm feeling nostalgic because I did grow up with him doing... Darth Vader loved the original Star Wars trilogy and loved him as Mufasa, but they brought him back for Mufasa in the live-action one or the CGI one, and it just did not work. Something was missing. It felt off. Listening to him go, Is that a challenge, Scar? And even when he's falling off the cliff, No! Were you moved by that? You know? Rogue One was a similar situation. Now, that was wonderful to see what they did with Darth Vader in that movie. It was a modern-day sort of take on what Darth Vader would be. You just you saw the terror and the power of Darth Vader and the badassery of him as he just swipes that fucking lightsaber, cuts through guys like butter. Fantastic. But when he starts talking, it was a different story. I would not have you here to grovel, Mr. So-and-so. Whatever the name of that villain was. Good movie, but forgettable forgettable villain in that. Yeah, it just didn't get me. I feel like we should just let the guy count his money, get some rest. He's fucking earned it like my grandfather. It's almost like every time he tries to get into bed... <laughs> I'm milking this. It's almost like every time he tries to go to bed, like 6.30 a.m., whatever the fuck, or p.m., he just he's about to climb in. He's about to call it a day. He gets that call on his phone. Yeah, hi, James. Yeah, we, we just got a new script sent our way, and uh, we have an interesting opportunity for, like, your voice. If, if you'd like to maybe lend your voice, how do you feel about playing a truck? Yeah, just a talking truck, like one of those big guys on the side of the big 18-wheeler. And you talk out of the hood, you know, like your your the hood of the truck is a mouth. It's like the movie Cars, but more demented. It's like a weird, like edgy children's Halloween movie. Would you like that? Uh, well, how would I get there? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you see, the company limo's actually in the shop. Uh, yeah, it's one of the tires gave out. Um, so I don't know. Like, do, do you know maybe know the bus route to get over here? Like, we I don't know. We can we can comp you when you get here and. Uh, well, how about payment? Yeah, company funds are looking scarce right now, but uh, hey, if you stick around long enough, we, I'll, uh, I'll talk to one of the PAs and maybe they can fix you a tuna sandwich. How's that? I'll be there at 5 a.m. And that's how a James Earl Jones voice project is brought to life. All right, enough of the James Earl Jones. But this coming to America thing, 
I'm probably going to see it. I was never a huge fan of the first one. It was a little before my time. That's just the way it is. But this whole thing with sequels, and I've noticed this more and more, I, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming sort of repellent to them. And why don't we just leave them as is? Why don't we just let the movies be the movies, that just standalone, no sequels, nothing? People can revisit them. They're going to be outdated, but people can just let them. This generation is not as intolerant of things 30 years ago as we think they are. They'll watch a movie from the 90s. A kid born in 2005 can watch a movie from 1980. He can watch the original Ghostbusters and find something cool out of it. Despite the fact Bill Murray's character is, in, in today's lens, is probably a sexual predator. But it's what it is. <laughs> let the sexual, let, let the, let the fucking predator characters, including the alien predator, be, all right? Let them be stuck in their time. Fuck it. No, but kids, kids can just watch that. They don't need a sequel. They don't need a children's Ghostbusters. They don't need any of this shit. Every time I go to see those movies in the theater, every time I see whether it's the new American Pie or the new Die Hard movie or Ghostbusters or Bill and Ted, every time I leave the theater, I leave depressed. I leave with a foul mood for the rest of the day. There's this weird lingering feeling of hopelessness in my stomach. And maybe that's because I'm a dramatic fuck. But it's how I feel watching these. And all it communicates to older people is I'm only 29, but again, I'm I'm getting to the point where a lot of I'm I'm looking at this shit in retrospect. All it communicates to people is, yeah, your time is gone. Your time is over. And everything that's trying to be recreated, everything that's gonna be recreated is not going to fully match it. Times change. People move on, stuff like that. People get older. And it just reminds you of how quickly life passes you. At least that's the way it is to me. Again, emotional. But they just keep fucking cranking out these sequels, man. Bill and Ted was a great example. Yeah, I guess some people liked it. I wasn't a huge fan. But at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, it's two 55-year-old guys playing roles that are tailor-made for 20-year-olds. It's the same thing with the American Pie. And it's always just these movies that the masses are not actually asking for. They don't want to see. It's just somebody on Twitter like, hey, yeah, can we get a Dude, Where's My Car sequel? Let's get Macaulay Culkin in The Page Master 2. Let's do that, okay? I want to see him at 40 years old and how he deals with the, the, the trauma of being sucked into a painting as a child and having to fight off Moby Dick and Frankenstein and, and pedophile pirates. Pedophile pirates? I think those were the guys on the set. Yeah, one guy had an eye patch and a pag leg, but, you know, that's because parents kept fucking cutting him up. <sighs> yeah, enough with the sequels. It's bullshit. They're not going to stop making them. Like, who the fuck am I to tell people <laughs> to stop doing what they do? But eventually, you know, we're, we're getting fatigued. People are getting tired of that stuff. We want original shit. Well, certain people want original shit. Other people want Fantastic Four and Iron Man 17 and whatnot. They're making another Scream movie. They're making another... These people are in their 50s. What more do you want them to do? 
Give it another 20 years, we're going to have Nev Campbell just running around on a dialysis machine being chased by a guy in a ghost mask. And he's in a wheelchair. For once, the characters of that movie are going to have an excuse to run up the stairs instead of out the front door. Like, no, 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 no. The scream guy, he can't come upstairs. He'll break a hip. Actually, lead him up here. If we're lucky, he'll fall on his knife. End credits. Again, as I say, they're not going to, nobody's going to listen to this. Nobody's going to, this isn't going to change anything. It's just how I feel. Stupid movie ideas. More Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious, what, they're going to be on Fast and the Furious 17. Vin Diesel's in his 50s, and he seems like he's in good shape. But those are roles made for younger people to do. You know? By the time they get to Fast and the Furious 28, he'll be like, okay, I think I'm done. All right, James Earl, do you want to take the reins on this one? Yeah, people eventually, people eventually grow out of that shit and it just becomes a parody of itself over and over again. So Happy New Year. I didn't say that before, but I hope everybody's had a good celebration indoors. Again, it's, it's weird. It's all so strange. It's all so foreign to us, the idea of just we're all kind of crammed in. I'm still at home. I'm still with my family. <laughs> I have not left yet uh, for undisclosed reasons. There's things that I, uh, I, I am not at liberty to say just yet. It's nothing huge, but I need the green light from a person to talk about them. It's just something that I find I, I think will be interesting, but I'm not just ready yet to talk about for all three of you listening. <laughs> and I keep making that joke that it's only three people listening. It might be less. It might be a few more. I don't know. But I'm trying to be humble. I'm trying to show some humility in the face of all of this. There's certain po- – unless you want a podcaster, unless you want a guy who just gets out, and there's certain podcasters you hear. Some of them are comics. Other than, uh, are, are just regular people who just are fucking narcissists, and they want to hear themselves speak. But they'll get up and they'll just start talking about personal details of their life and they'll start naming names. It's all inside baseball, but they expect you like they have this massive audience of people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, so my Uncle Larry, you guys know Uncle Larry, right? And they expect everybody to go, yeah, Uncle Larry, how's he doing? Yeah, you've only done two podcasts, but, you know, fill us in. Yeah, well, Uncle Larry, during the new uh, Christmas break, man, he came over and he uh, got a little too drunk and stood up on the table during dinner and pulled his pants down. And uh, we all just kind of sat for five minutes silently trying not to acknowledge the fact that he he has an 11-inch hog, as you guys were all guessing. And, uh, yeah, I told my mom to just not put out the tequila, but she just she just said, hey, fuck it, Patricia, it's Christmas time. Even though, you know, it's cold out and our bodies can't handle it and everybody's going to get pneumonia. And it's just, you know, she, she, she just let it flow and Uncle Larry drank too much. And long story short, he ended up burning the house down. We still can't find the chihuahua. And everybody goes, okay, like, um, I was done at 11-inch hog. Family's a weird thing, man. I'm not close really with any of my cousins. We're not super tight. I don't know if it's just, if if that's just the sum of generations of being here. Like, nobody values family as much 
I find it's so much more of a cultural thing with people. I had friends growing up who you'd be like, hey, you coming out this weekend? Nah, man, my uncle's flying in from Poland. Oh, cool. Like, you, you're going to drive him to the hotel? No, no, he's sleeping at our place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So, like, you know, you're going to, uh, like, you're going to set out a sleeping bag? Like, what are you doing? Is he going to the basement? No, 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 he's sleeping in my bedroom. Yeah, in my bed. Yeah, the two of us are going to spoon. My mom says that's, uh, that's how uh, long-lost Polish relatives can become tighter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, I don't know. That, that, that seems like a crime and that maybe child services should come in. But uh, I'll leave that for your family to sort out. Uh, maybe you can tell the story in greater detail when we're in our 20s and 30s. Maybe you'll be more comfortable. I never had that. I never had close family members in, in the regards of, of like I'd pick them up from the airport and we'd go do places. I never knew intricate details of their, fam of, of their personal lives and what was happening in their family. And that's just the way it goes. I'm not complaining. But from my perspective, it's strange when I see other people, friends of mine, whether they were Indian, whether they were Polish, whether they were anything else, whether they were Portuguese, Italian. It always seemed weird when I would see their family so close-knit. I understand it. When you're in a new country, family sticks together. You need to stick by what's familiar in order to to blend in and whatnot, to whatever the fuck. But I never had that. The closest I ever was to a member of my family was the fall of 2014. I just turned 23. I had a job with my cousin at a pool company, and we just drove around cleaning pools in a van, smoking cigarettes, listening to tunes from our iPhone because the radio had been stolen. And we didn't wear seatbelts because we wanted a rush in our lives. And we just drove around town cleaning pools, cleaning them out. I'd have a big tube. I'd run that all the way through the backyard and out onto the road, and water would spill out into the sewer system, and it was, it was cool. It was heavy machinery, technology, uh, anti-automation. I cleaned the pool of the people who own House of Lancaster, which was an, a, a great honor. For those of you unfamiliar, House of Lancaster is one of the most famous strip clubs in Toronto history. And I was in the home of the proprietors of that fine establishment. I remember I left my jacket there by accident. I had to come by early morning. It was just a quiet Sunday. I was almost sure that they would open the front door. They did not. I had to go around back. And I see them in their partying early morning in a gazebo. And this is mid-October. There's a, a chilly breeze they're drinking beer. Uncle Larry's got the 11-inch hog out. Put it away, sir. Put the egg roll back. There's children playing across the field in the leaves. Anyways, I got my jacket and got the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'd like to have a story where I went back and the jacket was gone and they were like, who were you? I look over where the pool, there's no pool, it's just cement. I was hallucinating, <laughs> and I go on this big giant odyssey to find my jacket. No. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. 19 and a half minutes. Something's off podcast. Don't forget to follow on Instagram. Follow on Spotify. Duck it is.